Thanks, Corey. That was good, mate. <laughs> well, good morning, everyone. Hey, uh, <clears throat> if you have your Bible, grab it, or your Bible app, open it up to Colossians chapter 2. We started in Colossians 1 last weekend, where we're looking at um, the whole conversation around belonging and how Jesus uh, deals with the powers of um, alienation and estrangement. And uh, we're going to pick up on a bit more of that this morning uh, as we go. So Colossians chapter 2, we're going to read a big chunk of that in a minute. But um, if we could, uh, Scott, thanks, jump onto the next slide. Um, A lot of the time people, you know, that you have a chat with who are pre-Christian or um, are deeply religious and perhaps not in relationship with Jesus... When you have a chat with them or a conversation along the way, you often find people get um, um, worn out with the idea of being in relationship with God or being in a, in a church. They get worn out with the idea because they think on the second um, line there, you have to behave your way into a sense of belonging. You have to behave your way into this idea of, oh, I'm now acceptable to God or I'm now acceptable to the people there and or now that I'm behaving the roof won't fall in on me gosh how many times have I been told oh I can't go there the roof will fall on me and I keep telling people actually you're not as important as you think you are it's uh, you know you're just not that important actually because it's not about you and the roof it's about Jesus (laughs) it's about Jesus He's, he's the one who, when we belong to him, shapes our life. The overflowing reality of who Jesus is shapes the way that we do life. And, and as a result, our lifestyle, our life choices, our practices, the way we do relationship and so on. So this morning, I want us, as, as we're trucking through this a little bit more in Colossians 2, um, Paul's teaching to this early um, small church plant, I want us to try and um, get rid of that thinking of behaving leads to belonging and um, that Paul's actually saying that there's this place of relationship with God and there's these people in the earth who are shaped by the reality that God has said to them through Jesus you belong to me. And as a result of his claim, his declaration, his actions of saying, you were once estranged, you were once lost, you were once isolated, I've reached into and through all of that because you need to know that you belong to me. Okay, and we want to we want to grab a hold of this idea that it's out of His calling to us that we now be- have this sense of belonging and identity and understanding about who we are and our purpose in the earth that then shapes how we behave. Um, now, <clears throat> you know, it's um, been a pretty pretty busy household in our family over this last twelve months. We I think we've had so many parties, I've lost count, so many birthdays and 30ths and or 21sts and 18ths and 60th anniversaries and weddings and 
Congratulations. I mean, I'm just like spent on every level, <laughs> spent on every level, emotionally, relationally, financially. I'm totally spent and I couldn't be happier in some regard. Yet at the same time, I'm incredibly exhausted by it all. But family is, is a bit of a picture of how we belong to family. For example, my children, Caitlin and Luke and Sarah, they, um, they belong to me because they are of me. They are of me and Nicole, so they belong to us. Now, well, be, well before, well, before they could even figure out how to, you know, in their little minds as they were growing up, figure out how do am I meant to behave so that mum and dad will love me, they belonged. They belonged well before they behaved. And it's the same with our relationship with God. Through Jesus, he's making this big claim. He's saying, well before you've even tried to behave, you belong. And it's out of the belonging that our behavior flows. Like my kids belong to me because they are of me, so the church is of God because they belong, the church belongs to Jesus. Last week, if we jump on the next slide, um, we'll just do a quick recap before we read the scripture. Remember, this is the this is the stuff that Paul was um, trying to overcome or help the local church overcome while he was um, writing this little letter to them while he was in prison. But he was trying to help these guys in this early church planting phase to realize, hey. Guys, don't get caught up in ritualism and formalism. Don't listen to those voices that are coming into the church to say you have to behave a certain way to belong. He says, don't listen to that stuff. And then he's saying to them at the same time, don't listen to that <clears throat> spiritual sort of Gnostic idea that only a few people have got the special information that can save your soul. No, no, no. Uh, it, no, no, God has made it abundantly clear, fully known. Uh, there's no super special knowledge. It's the person of Jesus. Plain and simple, straight. It's meat and potatoes stuff. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. And he's saying, just be careful of all those kind of people that want to put themselves in places of influence in your life, that think they've had some super revelation that therefore gives them... Um, you know, power and authority over your life. He says, don't listen to that stuff. Just listen to those who are preaching the main and the plain, Jesus and Jesus alone. And at the same time, he, he, he's also challenging them. The, other, the third thing he's poking at there is, is the whole idea that, you know, there's a, <clears throat> there a lot of people that were coming into this new church plant were coming out of a lifestyle of spiritual practices that were not centered on Jesus. They, you know, they worship trees, they worship Caesar, they um, just form all sorts of pagan practices. And, and Paul's saying, now that you belong to Jesus, it's not all of that stuff plus Jesus. It's all of that stuff is out, and now it's all Jesus. And so it's not this stuff plus God. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. Now, we kind of listen to that and think back, 
say to, we read back into that and we go, well, of course, why wouldn't they get that? But just, just stop for a minute. Just stop for a minute. And just have a, maybe a deep breath. Just have a little bit of a think about how we approach God. And how often it's only when we need some sort of additional help or additional assistance or maybe just it would be nice if we had a little breakthrough in this area and we only lean towards Jesus in the I need him plus moments. No, no, even us, even we are susceptible to this today. And, and, and Paul's saying to us, he speaks to us today, even as he spoke to them. He speaks to us through the scriptures and says, hey, folks, Jesus isn't an add-on value. Jesus is the pearl of great price. He's the treasure hidden in a field that we were just walking along and we tripped over and all of a sudden discovered he is the treasure that I've, my whole life has been looking for. This is the meaning of my life and purpose. This is the, this is the person who gives me a sense of understanding about who I truly am and how God's made me. This is, the, this is the, the discovery of the fact that I can be set free from all of my sin and brokenness and addictions and, and have a whole new life given to me. I, I can live. It's all because of Jesus. And so just have a little think as you're listening to the Scripture I'm gonna, we're going to read together in a minute about the fact in the moments where in our lives... We too, like the people in Colossae, often only go to Jesus when we need him in a, a value-add moment or, or a desperate moment. The rest of the time, we just go on about seeking comfort, control, and a sense of well-being from other sources that are not Jesus. I mean, Paul's pretty um, intentional about this. And that can be heard as being very black and white. And, and actually, Paul's, he's, he's, he's not saying it's black and white. He's saying it's deeper and more profound than you have ever realized. And as far as you've come, there is even more to discover of the person of, the, of Jesus Christ and his place as Lord in your life. They're the things. Okay, Colossians chapter 2 uh, we're going to start in verse 1. We're going to read another good chunk of it today. Who loves reading chunks of Scripture? All right, we've got two takers. Well, that's better than one. Oh, we've got three. Hello, we're up four. There we go. We sound like a bidding competition. Five, I see five, 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 five. Um, Colossians chapter 2, verse 1, all right? If you haven't got a Bible, you can read it on the screen. That's the NIV version up there. Paul says, I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they might be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they might have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge." I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I'm absent from you in the body, I'm present with you in spirit. And delight to see how disciplined and how firm your faith is in Christ. Get a, get a hold of that. It's like there's a, there's a sense of where Paul's able to say, I can see that 
that the reality of you've discovered the fullness of the mystery of God in Jesus, it's, it's actually disciplining your life. It's, it's bringing a shape to it. It's bringing a new sense of coherence to it. And you're giving yourself to that journey. He says, like, I, how firm your faith is in that journey. He's saying you're risking giving yourself over to this reshaping of your life. So then, just as you've received Jesus Christ as Lord, not Jesus Christ as value add-on <laughs> or Jesus Christ plus, it's, no, as Lord, what you've said, he says, you've received him as the one who you have ascribed authority to be king over you and author who you are. He's saying, as you received Jesus as the Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in, fa in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which means there is a bunch of hollow and deceptive philosophy that is busy trying to take people captive. Okay, so hang on to these dynamics. Understand these dynamics. Uh, which depend on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. So here... Paul is, is actually beginning to paint for the church an understanding of, of a, a spiritual worldview that says there is demonology, there is powerful, evil, dark forces that are at work even in the human traditions of this world and even in the elevation of human thought outside of or seeking to be more than the reality of Jesus. Paul's saying there's, there's powers at work here. There are spiritual dynamics. It's not just empty words and talk. It's not just a talk fest. For in Christ... All of the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you've been brought to fullness. He's the head over every power and authority. In him, you are also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Jesus having been buried with him in baptism and in which you were raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. So there's a mouthful of stuff right there. But basically Paul's saying, hey, the day that you gave your life to Jesus, God came and did a work in you that where you once tried to have your life maintained by behavior management and somehow trying to control your flesh that would make you acceptable to God. You've been set free by, by Jesus's grace and through his death and resurrection, when you publicly jumped into the water of the baptismal waters and you went under the water, you, like Jesus, by faith, were set free from the powers of performance and behavior management, and sinfulness, and need to be your own king and God, and you died in the waters, and you trusted that God would, like he did with Jesus on the third day, raise you to new life and lift you up as a new resurrected creation of God. That is what Paul is saying has happened to you. That is what Paul is saying. Hang on to that. That's not some empty philosophy. That's not some human tradition. 
that is the working of God, and that in the mystery of all of that, we've been caught up into being made into these new creations. When you were, uh, uh, yeah, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Jesus. He forgave all our sin. He cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, which has taken it away and nailed it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and the authorities, so there's there's so much going on here. There's three things going on there. He's taken the the law, the old law. The old law, which says it was about behaviour management to, to remain acceptable and in good relationship with God and through sacrifice and, and the continual need for that, um, God took that and nailed it to a cross and said, that's done. That's done. There's a new covenant now. And the new covenant is my love for you through Jesus. And it's all grace. It's all grace and mercy. He's saying that's all done. And then at the same time, when Jesus went to the cross, he dealt with, you know, back, just back up a few verses there where Paul's talking about the elemental spiritual forces. He's saying all of those powers did their best to hold the Son of God on the cross, and that would be the end of the story. But that's not where the story ended. Those powers, death ultimately itself, the spiritual power of death, was conquered and overcome by Jesus' trusting God as God fully revealed as well, going to the cross, trusting God that on the third day he would be raised again. And in his resurrection, those powers that once held him in death were broken and now he becomes Lord of all. Okay? There's a lot going on in this little bit of scripture, isn't there? There's a lot. He forgave all our sins. He's cancelled the charge of, of, of the law which stood against us and condemned us. He's taken it away. So you remember that first slide, behaving to belonging? He has taken that away. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle over, of them by triumphing over them by the cross. What kind of God would do that? Give himself to that. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. They are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Jesus. Don't let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person goes into great detail about what they've seen. They're puffed up with their idle notions by their unspiritual minds. They've actually lost connection with the head from whom the whole body is supported and hold, held together by its ligaments and sinews and grows as God causes it to grow. <laughs> Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world. Now, this is where Paul is saying, this is what discipleship looks like. This is what it means. If you're going to say Jesus is Lord, here's the cut and thrust where it starts to come through now out of how we live our daily lives. Because Paul's going, hey, guys, why, as though you still belonged to those elemental spiritual powers, why do you submit to their rules 
Now he's not, you know, he's saying their rulership, their reigning power and authority. He's like, why are you still giving yourself over to that? You've been set free from that. Don't handle. Like, there's a exclamation marks in this verse. <laughs> Paul's saying, do not handle that stuff. Don't taste it. Don't touch it. Those rules which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use are based merely on human commands and teachings. And such regulations indeed have the appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility and their harsh treatment of the body. So he's talking about the law stuff that's fueled now by spiritual powers as well. He's saying that stuff will put you in such a bind of behavior that you will come to a point where you will think, if I can just um, get control over my being, if I can just constrain myself enough, then I will get set free. And Paul is saying that is the biggest lie that the world has brought from the kingdom of darkness and it actually lacks any value in restraining any sense of sensual indulgence. Wow. Take that. Can I encourage you? Colossians chapter 2. Can you? I want to invite you. Read that thing every morning for the next seven days. Just that one scripture. And I've only just spent like seven minutes trying to give you a very brief skip through it. But sit with it. Let it read you. Don't you read it. Let it read you. Let the word read you. Let it shape you. Let it call you out from where you are and into the glorious mystery of God revealed. Jesus Jesus, Jesus. Next, um, next slide, thanks, Stephen. Can you hear Paul's passion in this, as he's writing in this letter? Can you hear his, his heart's desire? He's, he's like, my purpose is that in writing this to you is that you would be encouraged in your heart and you would be united in love so that you may have the full riches of complete understanding. Complete understanding. You would have a sense of, I know who I am, I know who we are, I know what I'm for, I know what I'm made for, and I know why God's placed me here for his greater kingdom purposes to bless my world that I'm living in. That you would have a complete understanding in order that you would know the mystery of God, namely Jesus. Did you hear his heart? Do you see Paul's picture of a people a church in the earth walking around encouraged in heart and united in love. Some of these little distinguishing marks that, that Paul's talking about of, of belonging. Right here and now, how is your heart today? Did your heart come in here encouraged? Or whose heart today will you encourage? What about tomorrow? Are you united in love? Is there a sense of realizing that I'm connected to something so much more beautiful and generous in terms of the people of Jesus? Paul gives a few 
little tips here about encouragement and life practices or on flow from the reality of being connected to Jesus. Let's jump on to the next one. Thanks, Stephen. So Paul here, if, if, if you haven't heard it already, and I think you probably have, Paul can't stop talking about the reality of Jesus. For Paul, Jesus is the only conversation point that will change anyone's life and the life of, his, of God's world. Paul is so deeply given to people realising that, hey, don't, don't treat Jesus like some religious um, behaviour management system that will somehow make you acceptable to God and to yourself. Jesus is the Son of God and he longs to have dynamic, personal, powerful relationship with you. And he talks about how, um, Paul talks about having a life in him, verses 6 and 7 there up on the screen. See, belonging comes from living in Jesus, rooted and built up in Jesus, strengthened in your faith as you've been taught, overflowing with thankfulness. Um, so let's just quickly jump onto that next, next slide. Thanks, mate. Hallmarks of belonging. Hallmarks of belonging. Features, distinctives. Nicole and I met with some people on Friday afternoon and they were wanting to ask us a whole bunch of questions about who we are and what we do and um, who the vineyard is and in terms of a church and uh, because they, they were coming from another part of the body of Christ and but they were keenly interested and, and the question came out. They, she, the, the lady just said to us, what, what is it that's distinct about you guys? And I went, oh, that's a fantastic question. And I was able to, I said, here, and I flicked my laptop open. And I said, here, come to our website. And I went to vineyard.org.au and I said, see that little tab there? It's called distinctives. Now, I said, you've got to understand, when I'm, I'm about to show you these distinctives, I said, we, as a, as a saying, we are just one vegetable in the big stew of God's kingdom and his body. Okay, we're, but we're a very important part of that stew. And we're trying to live that vegetable life the best way we can. Unapologetically, wholeheartedly, and yet giving freedom for every other vegetable to be who God's called them to be as well. And celebrating them and learning from them and, and enjoying the flavour that they bring into our life as much as we bring into theirs. And so we were able to read through all of these distinctives with them. And they were going, wow, we love that. It seems... They said, it's sort of similar to us, but a little bit different. And I said, that's it. The similar is Jesus, and the difference is the outworkings, the overflowings, the distinctives that he's asked you to be about and he's asked us to be about. And it's the same. Paul here is saying there's some hallmarks, there's some overflowing distinctives about people and churches that are fully living in Jesus and flowing from Jesus. Um, so the first one is intimacy. Uh, Paul here is encouraging the people of Jesus to keep taking one more step towards God. Intimacy is a hallmark. Who you hang out with is who you become. That is just point obvious. Who you hang out with is who you become like. And Paul's saying, 
just as you received Jesus, continue to live in him. Continue to hang out in him. Continue to lean into him. Continue to walk closer to him. Continue to listen into him. He's obviously saying that word continue to because what tends to happen is we discontinue to. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> we, do, we discontinue <laughs> quite often. So Paul's going, hey, come on, guys. Continue to live in him. Intimacy. What's, that, what's, the, what's the one step of invitation in any area of your life? that you're living right now, that Jesus is saying, would you come a little closer to me with that? Would you let me author that part of your life, author that conversation? Would you let me be the king and would you give me the authority to be the king? What, what's, what's the one, I mean, I've got like a huge list of them. Just, just I'm just going to pick one. Just what's the one invitation that Jesus is saying, come closer to me, step deeper into my love for you in this area? Encouraged hearts. Paul talks about these Jesus people being ones, that word encouragement means literally consoled, comforted, empowered, instructed. So I, I think sometimes we like our hearts being comforted in our times of grief. We love that. We, we love the idea of God coming and bringing his comfort. We, we love the inspiring, empowering work of his love and the Holy Spirit that empowers us in our time where we're feeling weak and alone and needy. But there's, there's also another dynamic to this where, you know, he, he, being an empowered heart is a heart that is willing to be instructed and shaped and Paul talks about that, you know, he says, I, I'm aware of how disciplined you are. That's that, I might, Lord, here's my heart. Teach me who you are. Shape me so that I might be more like Jesus. Where is God encouraging your heart? And it's even exhorted. It's like sometimes, um, you know, sometimes we get some self-talk going on in our head. And it's, and it's usually, you know, of a downward spiral. An exhorted heart is a heart that, that, that Jesus steps towards and says, all right, enough of that now. By my grace and with the help of my spirit, there's going to be a new tape. There's going to be a new story here. And you're going to have to trust me to let go of what you've become familiar with so that you can enter into who I am making you to be. What's the conversation of your heart that you've been unwilling to let go of and you've actually formed friendship with of a downward spiral where Jesus is saying, hey, I've come to exhort you into that, in that space, to lift you up into the new resurrected life that I have for you. United in love, um, that whole idea of being knitted together in benevolent love. 
and um, affections and goodwill towards. Um, uh, that, that, that's what Jesus' people are meant to, to look like. That's, that's some of the hallmarks of who we are as, as followers of King Jesus. It's like when you get to hang around people like us, it's like, you know, they, 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 they actually love each other. Those guys are for each other. They're, they love each other. They'll um, resource each other with time and energy and, and material things. They're looking out for each other. They're willing for God to put each other on each other's hearts and to be in prayer for each other. It's all of that. There's this agape work of God, the agape love of God, where the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are together, are one in this agape love, and we get knitted into that reality. Overflowing with thankfulness is the other one that Paul talks about. Gratitude that, gosh, I know who I am. I know who I belong to. And it wells up in such a way into a life of helping others to know Jesus. And what that looks like is doing what Jesus does. Doing what Jesus does. Well, what does Jesus do? He brings the kingdom, heals the sick, signs, wonders, healings, prayer, financial generosity, time for others, prophetic grace, ability to forgive and forgive and forgive some more overflowing. That's what the body of Jesus' hallmarks are, overflowing with all of these thankfulness that we've been called up into Jesus. How are you going with the overflow? Are we overflowing? Lastly, if we can go into that last slide, thanks, um, Stephen, uh, Kobe, ah, uh, Scott, <laughs> you guys are jumping around. <laughs> You're messing with me this morning. <laughs> uh, the enemy agenda. See, behind um, these, those three, her- they're called heresies um, for a fancy word, but behind those three things that Paul is trying to deal with is a spiritual power that's at work. And behind those three um, things, we see there in Colossians 2, 16 and 18, the enemy works and manifests the powers of spiritual darkness comes, come along in the forms of judgment and disqualification. That's why Paul says, he has to say it out loud, he says, don't let anyone judge you by way of what you wear, the amount of money you're earning or giving, the car you're driving or not driving, the, um, the church you attend. Uh, don't, don't, don't let anyone judge you. This, this whole idea of, um, is because this is what the enemy wants to do. He wants everyone to walk around feeling continually un, um, judged and never good enough. That's what the enemy is busy doing, trying to beat up on Jesus' people, uh, all people, to, to keep them in this place of feeling as though they're never good enough. Never, ever good enough. This idea of judge, um, uh, it, it means to be, don't let anyone pronounce an opinion over you. Ooh, hello. Don't give anyone the authority to pronounce an opinion over you about who you are. Do not, Paul's like, guys, there is a spiritual power behind that that wants to tell you who you are. 
And there's only one that should and can and does. And it's the one who you've bound your life to who has died and raised again and now rules and reigns as the king. Let his voice and opinion be the only one. He says, don't let others judge you or govern you or manipulate you or rule over you or preside over your every decision, watching it, making sure you get it right because if you don't look out, He says, don't live under that stuff. Don't give it any room. This is is why Paul's writing. He's trying to break the nexus of that spiritual power and its influence in people's lives. Where do we feel presided over, ruled over, governed over, pronounced over? Who's told us who we are and who are we giving permission to tell us who we are? That's the other thing is here. Paul's saying, hey, encouraged hearts, exhorted hearts, lift up by the power of Jesus alive in you, built up in him, lift up and you tell those voices and those people who think they know who you are and want you to be and you can silence and shut that down by saying, no, I am living in Jesus. I am built up in Jesus. I belong to Jesus. He is the one who tells me who I am. He's the God of all makers, maker of heaven and earth. And through him, everything's been made, including me. No one gets to judge me by Jesus and Jesus alone. That church, oh my God, church, if we would get this. If we would live in the fullness of this. This would be one of the most incredible hallmarks that, that the that people around us would see. It's like, they somehow just don't come under the opinions of others or the presiding, ruling and reigning of others. Judgment. That's a work. It's, that, that's. Now, in the goodness of God, in the kindness of God, in the mercy and the grace of God, in the sending of his son, Jesus Christ, all judgment has been dealt with. All of it. All of it has been dealt with in Jesus, nailing it to the cross and then rising again. You can listen to Jesus and praise God for that. And he also says, don't let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. This idea of disqualification. Um, there's a lot of people being defrauded, isn't there, at the moment, through uh, emails and text messages by fraudsters. I, I had another one the other day. Someone, someone texted me and it said, hi, mum and dad, uh, uh, my old phone smashed. Uh, this is my new number. Can you message me your details on this? Uh, da, da, da. And I'm just like, these scammers. <laughs> I, I said a few other words as well. I'm like, these scammers. And I was just like, so, so what, I, what did I do? I swiped to the left and hit the bin. Delete. No, you're not going to defraud me. You're fake. You're defraud. You, you, you're a fraud. 
And this is what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, if you want to give yourself over to this whole idea of, of trying to live this behavior management lifestyle or trying to keep up with who's got the latest and greatest revelation or who's, who's beckoning to be in this place of influence in your life so that they can have control over you and sell you the idea that if you just do what I say, you'll have a glorious life and by the way, pay me all this money at the same time or just give me this worship make me feel good and just keep bowing down to me by turning up all the time. Paul's saying, if, if you do that, you are, you are giving yourself over to frauds. And he's saying, the people of Jesus in the earth are meant to be the ones who don't walk as though we're being deprived and been, been the victim of frauds. God's called us out from all of that. Disqualification is is one of the, don't let anyone disqualify you. Don't let anyone pull the wool over your eyes. Don't let anyone in the body of Jesus or outside the body of Jesus defraud you. Don't let anyone blind you. I sound a bit wound up about that. But I think I think if you if we really if the heart of Paul touches our heart at all, we'd realize just how true and powerful these dynamics are that we're trying to live through in this day and age. Even, even so, in Paul's context, even so in ours. Our young people are growing up being told that there are all sorts of things that they just are not. Our universities are pumping out worldviews that are deceptive philosophies. No, I don't, I don't mind hanging out in university. I've got nothing wrong with universities. They're great places of learning. The sciences and theology is a science. It's one of the sciences. It's okay. I'm okay with that. Let's have, but let's have a conversation. Don't let the fraudsters shut you down. Don't let anyone disqualify you. Belonging. There's a real battle on right now to belong. Let's instead be the Jesus-centered people in the earth. We here at PRV, at Pine Rivers Vineyard, have a wonderful rich history and heritage of being a Jesus-centered church, overflowing with thanksgiving. My gosh, the amount of story and history that brims over the edges of our life together speaks of the overflowing reality of Jesus we also have a history of many works and many attempts of the enemy of Jesus and us as his people with dynamics and spiritual attacks that wants to continually bring judgment and disqualification. This, is, this work of judgment and disqualification, I just need to say it out loud one more time. It's not welcome here. It's just not welcome. But if you want to play by those rules, you'll find it very uncomfortable here. If you want to play by those rules, you'll find it very uncomfortable here. But if you want to play by the rules of Jesus and his grace and his invitation to rest in him and be built up in him and have your most holy faith encouraged and built up in him, then you will be invited to come deeper and more profoundly into the journey of what it means to be an overwhelmingly generous and thankful person. We declare, Nicole and I, we just want to say it one more time, for the sake of the goodness of God and his kindness towards us. We're the people of Jesus. Our lives are a hallmark 
of his overwhelming goodness to our life. And we want to see even more of that, more of his love, more of his generosity, more of his kingdom, more of his power, more of his healing, signs, wonders, prophetic grace, and all of that. For every generation, we want to see more. So with that, on the basis of who God has declared himself to be, we want to make this statement. Everyone is welcome. Everyone is welcome because everyone, whether they realise it or not yet, God is calling them to belong to him. Everyone's welcome. Why don't we stand and pray? I'm going to invite Ella to come and help me in a, down here, but because she at the at the eight fifteen at the eight fifteen, one of the things they do is they listen to the Holy Spirit and and ask God, is there people here with things that you'd like to minister to? And so they write down all of these things that they believe the Holy Spirit's told them, and then we just share them with you. And if any of us for you, just pray together. It'll be good. We'll see the kingdom come. But before we do that, let's just close our eyes and pray for a minute.